Man, I can't watch this nigga Harry, man. This nigga's just too cold, bro. Every time I just, like, he does something too bad, something just, damn, that's a real nigga shit. And I just pause it, like, my eyes aren't worth Y'all know what time it is. It's time for the Shaw's Love Podcast. You know who I am and what I do. Rob Shaw, a.k.a. The Pod God. <sighs> a.k.a. Say it with me now. Harry Potter. Potter. <laughs> I have a hey, special uh, guest on today. I have Zach LeMay of Reno, Nevada. And guys, he, he's one of us. He is a basketball lifer. He coaches girls. He has a podcast. Somehow he's friends with Zach Marbury. Like, there's a Hoop Dreams poster in the back. Like, Zach, say what's up, man. What's up, world? And you got one of the best names in the podcast game, my friend. So you you definitely got one of the greatest names in the podcast world, for sure. Appreciate that. All right. So let's uh, let's just start with your basketball background. Where'd you grow up? What was hoops your first love, or were you a? Did you were you a three sport athlete? What do you have for us? Yeah, uh, born and raised in Reno, Nevada, and basketball was definitely my first love. That's where I got started. Um, my journey is a little bit different than most, and you'll definitely appreciate this since you're a basketball lifer. Which I appreciate the intro, by the way. But um, uh, when I was growing up, I saw on the TV that my dad is watching a game. I'm like, who's that? My dad was like, that's Zoe. That's Alonzo Mourning. And I told him right then and there without ever really watching a game. I was like, that's my favorite player. And he just stopped me right there. He's like, no, son, like you need to, you need to appreciate the greats before you start talking about the present. So he made me watch all the 50s, 60s, 70s guys like, you know, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor, Pete Maravich, Bob Lanier, all those guys, Bird Magic. So he, uh, he basically made me watch those guys before I could watch current basketball, which gave me such a great appreciation for the players in the present, you know? And so I just kind of became obsessed with watching film and like studying these guys. And so I'd be out in the driveway trying to be like Maravich, trying to be like Elgin Baylor. So um, with my journey, like basketball is my life. Like you said, basketball lifer. And uh, just going into high school, you know, I played the AAU circuit. I played high school basketball, but it's just kind of funny because I had such an old school game watching all these old school players that I think I was a little bit hard to guard. I had all these scoop shots, all these sweeping hooks, you know, like all these Adrian Dantley post moves, things like that. So um, that was really the only sport I dabbled with. I was really good at baseball. I was a good pitcher. I could throw like high 80s and I just uh, it was too cold for me, man. I uh, I was too obsessed with basketball. So I gave up those sports in like middle school. So all right. How tall are you? You know, I'm only like six three, so I'm I'm not you know a, a very tall player. I played a lot of post. Then I went from post to point guard in college, things like that. But I could hang with some of the the good players. You know, I by no means was I as good as them. But um, in our area, like in Reno, I I played in a very special time in Reno, Nevada. We had guys like Luke Babbitt, who you might be familiar with. He's a lottery pick. 
for the Portland Trailblazers. Armand Johnson uh, was also a Trailblazers pick. We had a guy named Oleg Chiz who got a full ride to Duke, played for Coach K. And then uh, Pete Newell, who's now my assistant coach. He's the grandson of the legendary coach, also named Pete Newell, who coached Team USA to gold. The post-up uh, coach. Yeah, the big man camp coach, um, yeah. He, uh, Kermit Washington. Yep. That's where I, uh, Kermit Washington, the book on Kermit Washington, Punching Rudy Tom Janovich, The Punch, by right. John Feinstein. Um, Kermit Washington credits Pete Noel with him making it into the league. Um, all the drills and the extra work he put on in with him in the post. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a phenomenal basketball mind. And uh, his grandson is, too. And he had he definitely had the footwork down. He was a bucket, like – if in my opinion, because I played with all of them, with and against all of them, like Luke and Armand were great, but Pete Newell was a walking bucket. He could go get buckets anytime he wanted, and uh, you know if he like he, we talk about it all the time. If he's a little bit more focused, he probably would have gone on and been one of those names, you know. And uh, Amari Williams is another one uh, related to Gabby Williams, who you might be familiar. Played at UConn, WNBA, so it was a special era for Reno, man. It was it was a fun time for sure. And the the beautiful thing is we're all coaching now, like. Olek, Armand, Babbitt, Pete, we're all coaching now. Amari, so uh, my era is definitely special. We had some good basketball minds. I, I got to tell a quick Luke Babbitt story because I want to shit on my little brother, honestly. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned Luke Babbitt, and the first thing that comes to mind is it's probably like 2K13, and right. we, me and my brother play a ton at this point. So we're probably like two years into a season together. Luke Babbitt ripped him apart for 47. <laughs> and there, there's been a few times like where we've played the game where like the integrity of the actual system was in jeopardy because yeah. like the frustration level was so high. Right. This this is one of those times where I was like, dude, if this dude hits one more bucket, we might not have a system. He's going to break <laughs> this. Yeah. So that's I'm my that's automatically what I think of when I think of Luke Babbitt. I think of like his 2K lefty jumper just scorching the nets on my brother and thinking <laughs> he's going to stomp on our game. Yeah, you, you should try guarding him, man, in real life. It's not easy. I mean, the game was so easy for him. He'd just be walking up and down the court, you know, splashing NBA range threes in high school. And, you know, we just hadn't really seen anything like that at that time in Reno. You know, Reno's not like it is on the East Coast or in some of these big cities like that, that was pretty rare. We, you, you don't get kids going to the NBA very often in Reno. So that was definitely a fun time. So where did you play after college? I mean, I'm sorry, after high school. Um, you know, I, I played at a couple junior colleges. I tried to go to Utah Valley University a four-year. And I think that's where a lot of kids make the mistake that I did was you get so caught up in going to the four-year, right? And, uh, and rather than going to the situation that's best for you. So you know, I was so obsessed with the four year that I tried to go to Utah Valley and I showed up, you know, that first week and, you know, they had guys like Ryan Toulson, Ronnie Price. And I'm like, I can't play here. You know, what am I doing? I can't play here. So I went over and played at Edmonds Olympic College and Edmonds College in Seattle, Washington, two junior colleges. And I just uh, I kept getting hurt. I broke my ankle six times in about a year and a half. And so I spent basically two years in a boot. So I think I played in a total like six games. And I remember uh, I basically snapped the arch of my foot in half, essentially. And uh, I remember I didn't even really hurt at the time. I just laced my shoes up harder, finished finish practice, finished my line drills, went home and stepped out of the car and just collapsed, you know. So um, it was definitely frustrating because basketball was my love. But 
I think that's kind of what got me into coaching. Honestly, it was just being on the sideline the whole time during practice, kind of learning from my coaches. Uh, one of my coaches played in the, in the NBA, won a NCAA championship. His name is Sean Higgins. And uh, you know, I got to kind of sit next to those guys, learn the game. And I think that's honestly what got me introdu introduced into coaching. So blessing so, in disguise. All right. So I – I have little kids and I still work with young players as yourself, which we'll get into. I just want to highlight something you said, because I think it's so important. Kids get caught up in four year division one. Yep. As you get older, you learn that if you love the game, it's much more about playing and being a part of something than it is being able to come back to your neighborhood and say, I played division one. Now, if you're good enough to play division one and that's where you're good enough to be a part of something, go do that. Play at the highest level for yourself. But yeah. I also played junior college and I played in region 15, which is around here uh, where most it's mostly New York city schools. And the thing about junior college is if you go to a D2, you go to a D3, you go NIA, you go D1, everybody's probably relatively happy at that level or they feel that they belong. At, at junior college, everybody thinks that this is a stepping stone and I'm supposed to be D1. Right. And it's almost it can be a very dog-eat-dog -dog world in junior college. We played all the all the kids in New York City that slipped through the cracks that didn't have the grades they're on our juco circuit and it was it was eye-opening for me like i was like oh my god these some of these guys are real killers like yeah this dude is we we played this kid named moses at sullivan community college um you may not have heard of it uh clee anthony uh, of wichita state oh yeah clay anthony early yeah so he's from our area he went to sullivan before uh wichita state nice he was a monster, but when I, he was, he's probably like three years younger than me. They had this little guard, Moses. I don't remember his last name. When I tell you he was crossing us into 30 foot pull-ups <laughs> all night long. And yeah. I was just like, well, what does he have? Like a 0.5 GPA? This is, he's not supposed to be here. Right. And, but like, it was just full of that. So I think it's really important that we let the kids know, Hey, playing and contributing and being a part of something, not just saying, hey, I rode the bench for four years. Like, if you love the game, you want to be a part of something, make a difference in practice. Oh, 100%. And, you know, I think with me, I got a little bit cocky because in Reno, you know, there's not there, – there's some talent, but there's not depth, if that makes sense. You don't have a team of 10 dudes that are going to go play college basketball on a high school team. That's very rare around here, but – um, so I had, I had good games against Luke Babbitt. I had a good game against Armand. And then, you know, I went to some of these big camps. Like I went to the Stanford high potential camp and a couple of the big ones in California. And I played against the James Hardens and the Austin days and some of those guys. And, you know, I held my own. So in my head, I was D one. But then once I got there, I, I realized, you know, especially going to Utah, a lot of them are LDS and it wasn't like I was playing against 18, 19 year old kids. I was playing against 24, 25 year old dudes with a wife and kids you know i'm i'm asking them on a friday what are you guys doing they're like going to a movie with the kids man i gotta put the kids to bed things like that <laughs> so it's just a different college experience you know for sure but juco is no joke like it's a it's a tough route i think we had nine or ten guys that went on to 
go to Division One or play pro. There's a guy named Shaq McKissick who's like an overseas legend right now that uh, was on our team. I mean, it, it was no joke. And especially when you broke, break your ankle six times, I had to adjust my game. I had to go from being a slasher, shot blocker, dunker to a three and D type guy, you know? So I was in the gym shooting 2000 shots a day so I could just stay on the court, you know, cause I knew I either had to be, hit a corner three or be a facilitator and, and defend. So Juco is not easy. <laughs> Juco's, it's not sweet in Juco. It's really not. Yeah. All right. How did you get into coaching girls? Cause you guys had a really big turnaround. This is your second year coaching. If I did my research, right. Yep. Uh, year one, seven wins this year. Uh, 21 21 yeah 21 21 and four that's a big turnaround yeah it was now, uh, I, I watched a little news clip on you but i walk us through it uh it sounds like you just first of all tell them what you did and then i'd love to give some praise to your players i appreciate that yeah um it's a little it's a little bit of a lengthy answer if, you, if you're good at that i feel like you kind of have to of course i'm ready yeah so I, I coached boys to start. I coached the freshman JV level to start. And that was like five or six years ago. So I had about five or six years of coaching boys. And, um, you know, I love boys. Like there's, there's nothing, uh, you know, I, I, it's not like I didn't like coaching boys, but it's definitely a different game, you know? And when I was coaching the boys, like during that time, I was applying for varsity jobs and I just kept getting turned down from all the schools I wanted to go to, you know, my alma mater, like my alma maters didn't hire me and stuff like that. So um, I was getting a little bit frustrated. Um, we weren't having the best season because I was playing under a varsity coach where, you know, he gave me the start, which I appreciate, but he's taking freshmen and J up to varsity and he's JV taking as, the talent. He's taking he, the talent and developing it for himself. Yeah. Yeah. As he should for, for me, it, it was difficult. Like I was very, into the developing and is a great thing, but, um, you know, not getting those varsity jobs outside of that was very frustrating. So I kind of had the mindset, like I wasn't ever going to coach again, you know, I was like, these kids are great, you know, but I'm just not going to get a varsity job. That's kind of where my, my head was at. And so, um, during the pandemic, I had, I had already left McQueen and, um, I get a call from a guy named Jason Lyons who just got hired as the varsity boys at North Valley's. And he said, do you want to help coach JV boys? I said, honestly, not really. And then I was thinking like, do I get a key to the gym? Cause it's during the pandemic, you know, and there, you just couldn't find a gym anywhere. He's like, yeah, you get a key to the gym. And what? But like that, I don't even mean to cut you off, but that's what I mean by basketball lifer. Oh, yeah. it's the pandemic. I don't even <laughs> want to coach, but I can get keys to a gym. For those right. that don't know to people that are obsessed with the game, like us keys to the gym is the, it's the greatest sentence in the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no better sentence in the world. And so, and I was going crazy because I couldn't shoot anywhere. I couldn't hoop. And I was like, yeah, but I, I'll do this. I don't mind helping the kids out. I'm like, but I'm doing it for one year, you know? <laughs> and then uh, as a couple of days later, he's like, by the way, the girl's job opened up if you want to apply for it. And, you know, I, I was thinking like, yeah, like, absolutely. But I didn't think I was going to get the job. Uh, so I went in that interview just expecting to walk out with a key. And instead I walked out as the head varsity coach and I was excited. You know, I was like, wow, I finally got an opportunity. I'm at a great school. And I told everybody I was so excited and uh, everybody laughed at me. They, they laughed at me. They said, why would you want to go to North Valley's? They're like, you're never going to get the support from parents. You're never going to get kids who are committed. 
you're going to be lucky to win five games. You'll be lucky to fill a freshman and a JV team. Um, it's a dead end. They're like, if you're looking to get out of coaching, you're going to the right spot. You know, I mean, I heard it all. And, uh, you know, I knew that I needed to get the right coaches that were committed to my vision. And so I brought on Pete Newell, like I said, the legendary coach, Pete Newell's grandson. He's been amazing um, with skill, skill development. I brought on a guy named John Metzger who won a state championship with Luke Babbitt. And th those guys were important guys to get because I needed people who knew how to win, who had a vision of what it takes to win, but also who had the patience to understand that this is not going to be an easy step-by-step -step process, you know? And uh, my other coaches, Wiley Evans and Zach Lewis have been outstanding too, but I'll never forget the first open gym. Um, I mean, it was during the pandemic, so we had to do six feet apart drills, right? Like stationary dribbling, stationary shooting. Uh, basketballs were going everywhere. We could not cross over dribble. We could not go between the legs. Shots were going over the backboard. And we didn't understand the terminology. Like they didn't know what the block was. They didn't know what the sideline was. They didn't know what the baseline was. And I had girls ask me, what way does defense go? You know, so it was, uh, it was, I had one of those moments during practice where I, I walked out like just for a minute, just to kind of clear my head and ask myself, like, am I really the right guy for this? Like, are we the right staff? Like, are the, was everybody right? Um, you know, is this a dead end? And I walked back into the gym and I'll never forget. We're doing this really basic, stupid passing drills. The dumbest drill you've ever seen is so basic and easy and they could not get it. But I saw how hard they're working at it. it they're working at this drill, like it's a championship game. And I thought to myself in that moment, like, they're working this hard at the most basic drill. Like, we got something. And I don't know what it is, but we got something, you know. So we just kind of – in in my head, the philosophy was take this one minute at a time, one drill at a time, one practice at a time, one game at a time, one day at a time, and, you know, we'll see results. And we've kind of rode that wave up until this point. And, um, you know, it was not easy. Like our first varsity scrimmage, we lost to a middle school team by 20, you know, and it could have been very easy for the girls to quit right then and there, you know, losing a middle school game. That's, that's, that's humiliating. Or that first season winning seven games, like we lost every game by 40, essentially. And those seven, those seven wins, those were not feel good wins. Those were playing the lowest level teams to, to make sure you get a win. You know, so to make they, sure they, that you don't break your girl's confidence. Exactly. And uh, I think they knew that deep inside, too. And so just when you lose every game by 40, we had a nine game losing streak, losing by 30, 40 points. And it could have been easy for them to quit then and there. And we just kind of preached the idea of, hey, just keep working every day. If you squeak into playoffs, it's a first step to winning a winning mentality, a winning mindset. Right. And so we ended up going on a three game win streak at the very end. We snuck into playoffs and we lost that playoff game by 60, 69 to 12, but uh, get it showing up to the party was the biggest thing to show up to the party. And you always want to go back is what we kept trying to say. And um, it just could have been very easy to quit in, at any point during the season. Instead, we kind of sold them on, you know, spring ball. You know, if you show up five days a week, we play all these games, you will get better. We'll put a number on the banner. We promise you. And, it, it is really hard to get a 16, 15 year old kid to buy into that, you know, and they bought in, they showed up five days a week for about six months straight. We played 80 games, which is essentially an NBA schedule. And, uh, you know, the results were 
amazing. We had them working out with NBA guys. So it was, it was a huge off season for us. So you talked about their commitment and that's where I wanted to give praise to your girls. <clears throat> that level of commitment to, Hey, we're, well, I do have one quick thought before I get to that. You know how we hear stories about Hakeem Olajuwon? Oh, he didn't start playing basketball until he was like 12 or yep. 15 because he played soccer. Do you think that was an inherent, not an advantage, but do you think that was nice for you to be able to start from scratch where your girls didn't have bad habits? Like they were all, they were basically malleable clay for you. Like, hey, they're not super advanced, but they also don't have bad habits. We can teach them from, we can build them from the ground up. Yeah, that's an outstanding question, by the way. And uh, I think, I think yes, from a skill perspective, but what was really hard was reversing the mindset, reversing the losing mindset, because we were at a point where, you know, we'd be in the game, but a team would go on a four or six zero run and all of a sudden our heads were down, like we were going to lose the game. And that was a hard thing to, to change, you know? And so what we did kind of this year with practice, um, which I think also playing so many games helped because we'd play four or five games in a day and you don't have time to worry about a loss. It's just onto the next one, onto the next one. But in practice, we we timed everything. We made things competitive. We set goals every single day and everything was so fast paced that we didn't even give them time to think about their failures, you know? So I think that helped the mindset, but from a skill perspective, it was awesome to be able to work on form shooting and develop their form or work on their pivots, things like that. But you also, it, it was definitely very elementary. Like we started from the very basics from day one. So that was also frustrating because I knew that these other teams were doing a lot more advanced stuff than what we we're doing at so first. So it felt like playing so. catch up a little bit. Oh, it's definitely catch up. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's kind of nice to polish our skills. And I don't think that we work enough on those types of things. I think that also benefited us. But I do just the level of commitment from your girls. You said that you guys went uh, in the interview. I saw your season ended and then you guys played five days a week, 80 games up until October when your season started again. Yeah. That's commitment. And like, like you said, I was thinking it's just tough to get that level of commitment from just kids in general. You put a little bit of extra sauce on it, which really... I, I often say that teenage girls are the meanest people in the world um, <laughs> from having a little sister and just like how I was like, man, you guys are so catty. And now you're telling me you're getting 15, 16, 17 year old girls. Hey, get them off their phones. We're not talking to boys. We're going to lock in for two, two and a half hours daily. And we're yeah. going to get results. And they bought in for six straight months. And then the proof was in the pudding. Yeah. And that, and that was the key. Um, this, this group is special, you know, and it was essentially our same roster from the year before we didn't really add anybody new other than a couple freshmen, you know, but I mean, it was essentially the same roster. And I think what it was is that we never yelled at them. I, I never screamed and yelled at things that they physically could not do or like talent wise could not do, you know, like we had just had to understand where we we're at. Like, so I think we made it fun for them, but also like they were just tired of losing. Like they wanted something bigger. And I think that they started to see results, even though they're losing. I think they could kind of see like, you know, we could do something. But I mean, the fact that they bought into that for each other was incredible to me. So. Um, will they be 
how many of your girls will your girls be playing in any of them will good god sorry will any of them be playing in college next year did you graduate any seniors that are going to continue to play yeah so uh we have one of them that's just signed at walla walla a four-year school which is outstanding um then another one's going to go to junior college and honestly we have about three others that have the opportunities and that was the biggest thing was that i uh i i a lot of kids don't really understand how the recruiting process works. So the biggest thing for me was let's make highlight tapes. Let's send them out. If you want to play, like let's make it happen. And it's amazing how, I mean, there's a place for everybody to play if they really want to it just takes a little research and effort, you know, and I think that not enough coaches do that. So I'm just trying to give the kids as many opportunities as we can, you know, to, to go on to the next level. But I mean, we just won our league. We're league champions and, you know, I think when you win league and you start winning, you know, doors start opening up a little bit more. People start to recognize a little bit more. So I'm just really happy that they're getting that opportunity. Um, do you have an AAU program? Um, I wouldn't call it AAU, but we did start a club. And, um, you know, because in our district, they don't allow you to play two sports at once. I knew I had to start a club if we're going to get girls in the gym year round. And so um we're mtg academy it stands for more to the game and uh yeah we, i mean we do au and i uh sent our girls down to vegas to work out with like marcus banks former nba player he, he uh does a lot of training with them on ball handling passing and then zach marbury is another one that we met down with vegas and he was outstanding but they, they both were gave them so much knowledge and confidence they they came back from that trip just di different basketball players you know so definitely a we like to do stuff like that in our AU program, just, you know, training with pros, playing a lot of games and doing a lot of skill work. It makes it fun. All right. And then you guys are, you play in 3A. Yep. So New York has uh, 2As as big as it gets in New York. Um, North Carolina gets up to like 5A and 7A. Um, how is 3A as big as it gets in uh, Reno or is so there it bigger? It, it go 5A is the biggest, but there is no 4A in Reno. So it's 5A than 3A. But honestly, this year, 3A was better than 5A in a lot of ways. Like the top four teams, you know, Lowry, us, Fernley, um, they they beat a lot of the 5As. Like we're 3-0 and against 5As this year. And Lowry beat the top 5As in season. So Fernley. So we definitely – those top four teams are very stacked. So it is, it is a special year for 3A. Like any other year in 3A, we would have we won a state championship, but we just had Fernley and Lowry in our way, which was kind of kind of rare. Um, but yeah, I mean, those teams are outstanding. And uh, but yeah, but we are going to be moving up to 5A, I think, in a year or two. They're going to move us up just because uh, we're a little bit more populated than some of the other schools. So we should be in 5A here in the next year or two, which is pretty awesome. Um, just uh, as an idea, how many students roughly uh, 5A or how many students are roughly in your school just uh, for comparison's sake? Ooh, that, that's a good question. I did not, I was not ready for that one. Um, I, I I honestly don't know. Okay, no, no big <laughs> deal. Uh, because like, so A around where I am is probably like 900 to 1,000 and then double A is probably anything bigger than that. Yeah, I, if I had to guess, I'd say 12,000. 12, okay. Guess. Yeah. All right. Do you still play? Uh, I do. I play in the mornings and everything. Um, you know, I try to do some pro-ams here and there just to keep it competitive because, you know, men's league isn't exactly competitive enough. Um, but 
you know, I'm, I, I know where I'm at. I'm not trying to prove anything anymore. I, I do it for the love of it and the exercise, but I, I still get my thousand shots up a day pretty much. So I'm always on the shooting machine before practice, things like that. So like, like you said, Hooper for life, you know, it never goes away. Like once it's in you, it just never leaves. So uh, I try to play as much as I can. We definitely got a morning crew with some uh, older players that we play at 5 a.m. before everyone's got to go to work. So it, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. Um, and then I have two questions that my nosy girlfriend needs to know. First, <laughs> okay. um, besides coaching, what do you do? What is your, do you have a day job? Or are you full-time coaching? I work in logistics. And so a lot of it is, is work from home, which is awesome. It gives me time to, you know, be there for the kids whenever I need to be. Um, so I can work from home, make my own schedule. Um, but, you know, I definitely want to try to do more training, coaching on the side to where that becomes more of the full-time thing, you know, because um, I will say like, you know, this group of girls gave me the love for coaching back. Cause like I said, when I was trying to get out of it, um, this group definitely gave me the love for it back. Um, so I think they've done a lot for me. A lot of times people say coaches make players in this situation. I think players made coaches cause they definitely insert that love back in for me. And it makes me want to do it full time, you know? So eventually that will be the goal if we can do something like that. So. All right. And you're a dog dad. What kind of dog? What's the dog's name? <laughs> I got two. I got a golden retriever and I also have a black lab, half golden retriever. It's the same mom, different dad, uh, oh, which is pretty black special. Lab. I have a black lab as well. Yeah. And they're brothers. Like they have the same mom. And so it's special. They definitely got a, a different love for each other. So uh, yeah, we, I love my dogs, man. They're definitely my kids. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. I, we're going to take a quick break and then I just want to jump into your podcast. Okay. Awesome. All right. So we've talked about where you grew up and we've talked about how you got into coaching. How did you get into podcasting? And I swear <laughs> to God, Zach, if you, this story starts with, it was the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't the pandemic. It definitely wasn't that. Um, it's kind of interesting. My, my buddy, Eric, who I played basketball with in the morning, um, he was ta he's talking to me about a podcast and I didn't even know what a podcast was. I'm like, what the hell is a podcast? And he's trying to explain it to me. And it just seems so foreign to me. Like it, it, if you get to know me a little bit better, like I'm very old school, like I'm not good at technology, any of those things. So it was very foreign and he's kind of explaining it to me. And I said, you know, maybe we should do something like that. Like, I, you know, I know some people, I played a lot of basketball. I, you know, I could probably get some NBA guys on and stuff like that. And uh, it kind of went from us just talking about sports and not being very serious. Um, and it just kind of turned into something during the pandemic where we just got really bored and I started sending out all these emails like, Hey, like hitting up all my friends. Like, do you want to come like talk about your basketball journey on the podcast? And all of a sudden we got a guy named Rod Benson who played for Reno Bighorns and it turned into a journalist for the trailblazers. And we ended up getting Rex Walters and we kind of just kind of built our book a little bit to where, they had a connection. We kind of connected the dots to where we're getting Hall of Famers like Oscar Schmidt, Dino Raja, and like Zach Marbury, you know, things like that. So um, it definitely, to answer your question, it was just such a random thing that happened. And we would have never expected to get the guests that we're getting. Like we weren't even thinking about having guests at first, you know, and we didn't really know what direction we wanted it to go. But I did know that I wanted to, um, 
basically you give positive messages and have the younger players learn about the game and learn about the history of the game. And so I really try to target guests who, who uh, maybe are underappreciated, like a Shea Cotton, who's a high school legend who didn't really get his flowers. Or, or LeBron. Yeah, or like an Oscar Schmidt. Like he's one of the greatest players to ever play the game, but how often do we really talk about him? And so, or Chris Heron, you know, with his drug addiction, like when we had Chris Heron on everything that he's done, you know, to be a, uh, with his recovery, you know. So we definitely want to get some positive stories out there for guys that maybe went through some adversity in their careers and just had a positive message to give out on that adversity. And honestly, like we're never done learning. Like I'm, I'm never done learning as, as a coach or a player. So I learned something new every single time I ha I have one of these guys on and it's just been a beautiful thing. So. Um, so you said you were emailing people. Have you found it easier to get guests via email or social media? Um, I think it just depends. Um, like, a guy like Tom Van Arsdale, you know, I mean, he played in like the fifties and sixties. He's probably not, you know, Checking live streaming DMs. on, yeah, he's probably not going through his DMS too often, you know? So somebody like that uh, email, but you know, a lot of these younger athletes or, you know, new generation, however you want to call it. Uh, social media is definitely a way to reach out, but you also got to check out their followers too. You know, if they have like a million followers, they're probably not checking your DM. So maybe going to their business website or their business account and trying to reach out that way and try to get them to, you know, offer to promote their businesses. That's definitely um, another route that we take, but also just connections. And with the podcasting, it's built these connections to where I can get Marcus Banks or Zach Marbury to come work out my girls. So it's, uh, this really isn't to benefit me at all. It's definitely, you know, to, to benefit the, the kids. Yeah, for sure. All right, a guess that you got that like that even made you crack a smile. Yeah. Um, who do you have? Because I I saw two people on your list. Uh, one of them, I was like, they had Scoop Jackson. Yeah, Scoop. Yeah, Scoop is awesome, man. So I'm Scoop. a Slam kid. Like I'm the basketball bible. Slam was the basketball bible. Oh yeah. Scoop Jackson, the original editor. I'm like, they had Scoop, and I'm I'm hyped. Like I got the bet. Like I got him to come in. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Uh, he's an awesome person too, and uh, he offered to come on again. You know, he's just a very generous guy with his time, and it was just really interesting learning about you know the history of Slam and kind of like he told us about the cover of the Iverson cover. You know, where he's holding up the Dr. J jersey and oh, the backstory with the, with the to that. Chain, the blowout fro. <laughs> yeah, man. It was a. Uh, the backstory to that is is crazy, and I'm just going to make people go listen. To it. I'm not going to tell the story, but uh, he had some awesome stories just about his playing days. He's he's a really cool guy. They're they're all great. Like that's what's beautiful about the basketball community and the podcast community. Everybody's so willing to share and you know willing to help and willing to spread that knowledge. And uh, like I said, if if you can use social media or podcasting um, the right way, it's a beautiful thing. All right. And you also, your most recent episode had Tyler Lydon, who I told you before we started filming is all, is from my area. Like my brother played against him in high school. Yeah. Um, his, him and his business partner at LMC athletics, like they train all the best local kids in the area. And did, I didn't get to finish the interview. Did you get to ask him about the TBT? I did. Yeah. Asked him about the TBT. They won the million dollars, but you know, we didn't really talk so much about the, his run in TBT. 
Um, but we did ask about like the Elam ending. Cause I think that that's such an interesting thing in basketball, how they end the games where you got to hit a target score rather than play the clock. And uh, it, it is beautiful. Beautiful. I don't think you could do it consistently at the highest levels. Right. I think it gives the TBT its own special gimmick. Yeah. And I'm a huge TBT person. Like, Oh, that is my favorite summer basketball. It's just high level. It's guys that you normally watched in college. And then, well, what happened to him? Like seeing Dewan Blair out there. Um, right. Aaron Kraft with uh, Red Scarlet or whatever the Ohio State team. Like I, I live for TBT. Oh, Sam. But yeah. also you, you have a TBT connection. What's your connection with uh, the Redeem team? Yeah, so... I know Chris Jones and Brian Tracy. Um, I was uh, I, I've been trying to get I've been trying to play in TBT for for a while. I just can never find the, the time to really do it. Um, so what I what I did was I became a sponsor with Redeem Team. But uh, I was initially connected with a guy named Mike Iliano for Team Twenty Three. Um, uh, close uh, an old friend of mine, Larry Owens, played on team 23 and they lost in the championship game. And that's kind of how I got connected. He was also the first guy to enter the bubble at TBT. He's the very first walk-in, which is interesting to kind of hear about. So, but uh, that that's honestly how, how I'm connected. I've just been trying to dabble and playing a little bit and I, I just can never find the time to do it. Now I'm, you know, a little bit longer than two. So I'm probably closing that door a little bit, but uh, I definitely try to support it and try to, support some of these teams, especially for great causes like Redeem Team, you know, with, uh, you know, Crohn's disease and diabetes, you know, they have some really great causes and, you know, I'm just really pulling for them to, to make the tournament this year, you know, but um, and just a great group of guys too. They, uh, they had Cheryl Swoops' son on that team, uh, a guy named Roman Perez, a street ball legend, Chris Jones, um, who's a Utah Valley alum. So um, they definitely, they definitely have some great causes. Aaron Maxey, I could go on. So, yeah, just a supporter at this point. No, but it's a one, you're supporting a team with a great cause. But two, I'd imagine TBT, uh, that kind of thing is like a basketball lifer thing. Like, oh, there's Vegas Summer League. Um, and then there's there's like the big three in the summer. But like when you want to talk high level basketball with pros, not rookies or guys like fighting for their NBA like a lot of these guys are established overseas, like overseas elite won four of the first five. Yeah. It's a really tough team. And then the Syracuse team got one, I believe Ohio state. Right. Uh, right. Um, so it's, it's high level basketball and the concept is look, me and my five guys from my block, my neighbor, it's the same thing that we grew up playing. Like you would get your high school team. I imagine like I would get me and my friends and we would go to the next town over and play. Right. Well, yeah. th this is the same thing. Just, yo, if we got together a group of my college alumni, they bust your college alumni's ass. Yeah. <laughs> and like that, that is the general concept of it. And as somebody who loves basketball, I don't know how you can't love that. Like just the concept of just like we all grew up, I, me and mine can beat you and yours. So let's yeah. get a ball. Let's get two goals and let's figure this out. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But there's so many great players that aren't able to be in the TBT right now because of the alumni teams um, from what I've heard. And that's kind of a, a huge reason why 
why I haven't been able to uh, get get in, get my foot in the door, but a lot of these alumni teams are becoming more popular. So you're starting to see a lot more alumni teams and those just kind of over overtake some of these teams like, like a redeem team that isn't uh, an alumni team or. Because you know, it's based on your sponsorship and fan base, right? Right. So yeah. it's hard to get in because you're not going to beat a, a Kentucky fan base that is dying to go see all their uh, old players one more time. It's right. really hard to do that, especially if you want to compete with as a, a team of, Hey, I know him from over there. I know where you guys don't have one uniting banner, so to speak. Like you guys might yeah. all have one common cause, but being able to attach a college to something does give an inherent advantage. Right. Yeah. And you know, and, and I get it, you know, it's all about the, the money. It's all about, you know, the fan base, things like that. But, you know, we are missing out on a lot of really great teams and a lot of great players in this tournament, like, like Keith Kloss, boss, boss Kloss is on your team team. And I mean, who wouldn't want to see boss Kloss that, yeah. that, you know, suited up. So awesome. great nickname. Oh, absolutely. The best nickname, you know, other than Harry Potter, of course, but, uh, you know, we're the pod God. And, uh, so I would I would like to maybe see them extend the tournament and allow some of these other teams to prove themselves or maybe some a play in game kind of like how the March Madness tournament does or just do the same format. I think there's enough teams that want to do it. It's more basketball. It's a win win for everybody. So I would like to see some of these other teams get an opportunity too. And like there are things that you can do logistically. Like I know you want to get as many of them on TV as you can. Send some of them to ESPN three. The nerds like me and you will watch it. If you, if you yeah. put them on ESPN three, I'll find a way to get to them. Don't you worry. So extend <laughs> the tournament. I completely agree with that. Um, I'm not going to steal much more of your time. I do just want to hit some uh, quick hitters. If uh, you can let me do those. Oh yeah, absolutely. Favorite hoops movie. Ooh. I mean, how do you beat hoop dreams? Right. I think it's just the most important hoops movie. I think hoop dreams is most important, but, uh, I also do like Rebound, The Legend of Earl Manigault. That's a, another movie and another guy that people need to know more about is uh, Earl Manigault, the original GOAT. Um, what are you, are you a big reader? Uh, I'm a big Slam magazine reader. That, that counts. <laughs> Favorite Slam cover? Oh, man, that's a loaded one. Um, oh, I don't even know if I can answer that. But I think for me it would be the LeBron and Sebastian Telfair one just because that's a good one. Yeah. I think that one was just really, because for me, Telfair and LeBron, they were kind of my, my childhood. Like they're kind of the measuring stick for everybody coming up. So I got to say that one. All right. um, Favorite part of coaching. Um, Wow. I think honestly has nothing to do with the basketball. I think it has everything to do with the journey. Um, like we touched a little bit on a few of our players going to play college basketball. Like they never would have thought that they could play college basketball, you know, and to kind of just see them be able to make something of themselves outside of basketball, because they're not going to just be bouncing the ball. They're going to be, you know, doing something with their lives and just going on those recruiting trips, seeing how excited they are to get in their classes and, you know, see the dorms. That, that was pretty special, but, also, just to see the results, I mean, to go from being, you know, a team that lost every game by 40 to seeing all their hard work pay off, like a lot of people put the work in, but it doesn't always pay off. But to see that really pay off and break 17 school records, get the most wins in school history and, 
be a state contender after last year. Like it was, it was an emotional year. And I, I, I think that was the best part was just to see their hard work pay off. That was pretty emotional for me. Same plan this off season. We go oh, yeah. days a week. You got to stick with what works, right? I mean, okay. uh, the, the other thing we're going to do though, is the games I noticed that we lost. I don't necessarily think we got outplayed basketball wise. I think we got out athleted. So we're bringing on a, a weight specialist, you know, weight training recovery specialist to work with them uh, this this spring and summer. So that's going to be exciting too. Um, like uh, plyometrics, Vertimax type of stuff. Yeah. And they got equipment. It's almost like an ultrasound where they can put on your legs and see, you know, if you're more prone to injury and, you know, they measure vertical leap and, you know, just a lot of things keep them healthy, make them more explosive, more stronger. I think that's the next step for us. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and not a lot of kids have access to that. So I think that'll be a game changer for us. All right, plug your podcast, The Not In My House. Also, amazing drop with the Matumbo to start it off. <laughs> I appreciate that, yeah. Um, no, it, it, it's it's fun. If, if you love basketball and you love learning about players' journeys and just want to hear an uplifting story and, you know, how they got started, and um, it's definitely a great podcast, I think. Um, but, yeah, it's called Not In My House. We're on Apple, Spotify, basically anywhere where you get your podcasts. Uh, we're probably going to get on YouTube here quick. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's been special. We've had over 125 professional athletes and um, definitely some names that you'll know. And if uh, you don't know them, you should know them. Because like I said, we we try to get people on that are a little bit underappreciated and have an, an incredible story. So I, 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 think, I, I think if you love basketball, you'll dig it. So just give it a try. I think you'll dig it. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Zach LeMay of the Not In My House podcast. Um, he was amazing. Uh, you guys definitely need to go check out his podcast, follow him on Twitter, Instagram. Um, Zach, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you chopping it up with us this morning. It, once again, thank you. Oh, no, I, I, I thank you. I appreciate what you're doing. Um, you know, you asked awesome questions, man. And what you're doing with this podcast is special. You know, we're all just trying to spread some love and positivity, right? So I just appreciate you uh, having me on and, you know, let me talk a little bit about my team and my podcast. So I appreciate it. Not a problem. This has been the Show's Law Podcast. And like that, we out.